0: Hello, and welcome to the seventh episode of Imperial TNT podcast, where we invite innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists from all backgrounds to have wonderful conversations about business and technology. I'm your host, Jojo. In this episode, we have a startup support specialist at the United Nations Development Program, Aggie Chu join the show. Aggie's work is focused on addressing the school-to-work transition skills gap and youth unemployment issues in the Asia-Pacific region. She co-created an entrepreneurship program with UNDP that equips social entrepreneurs from more than 20 countries with business skills, mentorships, network, and opportunities to increase their resilience and build sustainable enterprises. Aggie, thank you for joining the show. I'm super happy to have you here. Thanks, Jojo, for having me. It's no a pleasure to be here. Before we kick off, could you introduce yourself and
1: maybe share one of your fun facts with us? Sure. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Eggie. Uh, currently working as a startup support specialist uh, with the United Nations Development Program. Uh, I'm originally from China, uh, and my hometown is in the central part of the country. Uh, the city is called Xiaogan. Uh, which is short for Shao uh, Gan Dong In English, it means the filial piety that moves God. Uh, so actually filial piety is a virtue of showing love, respect and support for one's parents, elders and ancestors. Uh, so the name of my hometown actually came from a local folklore. Um, It says in Asian times, there's a young man called Dong Yong, Mm -hmm. uh, who was born in a very poor family, uh, and he lost his mother when he was very young. So he stick to his dad and help him during difficult times. Uh, And when his father died, uh, he couldn't afford the funeral expenses. Uh, So eventually he decided to sell himself as a slave in order to bury his dad. Uh, So there's a bit of exaggeration there, but it says a lot about, you know, part of the Chinese cultural offering services to parents and elderly is considered as a great virtual. Um, So there's a big story uh, out there. And then uh, back to me throughout my career, uh, all of my work pretty much involves with a lot of engagement with kids and young people. Uh, So before joining UNDP, I had a bit short experience in both private and public education sector, uh, much within the traditional education system. Um, Then I moved to NGOs, international organization, more looking at youth skills building and innovation that's happening outside of the school system. And unexpectedly, it brought me to the entrepreneurship space. Uh, But along the way, something that has been always very clear to me is that, um, I deeply care about people having decent lives so they don't have barriers to access the opportunities and realize their full potential. So that's something like a North Star, which guides everything I do both professionally and personally. Uh, fun fact about me, I was told uh, I was among the youngest consultant hired by my office when I first joined back in my days, a few years back. Uh, so very grateful for the opportunity to be able to work with people from such diverse backgrounds all over the world.
0: Yes, I see. Thank you for the sharing. Um, that's pretty impressive. And just as you mentioned, you joined as the very few young consultants to the UNs. And I know UN usually hire consultants uh, with at least three to five years experiences. So I think it's a very special
1: case for you. I actually started as an intern. Um, and I think my team deeply, deeply, uh, Share the value of young people and their spirits being to the team, um, so they have been very supportive, you know, helping young people gain skills, but also providing learning opportunities to to learn uh, on the job, uh, I think, for me, uh, it's also experience for me to grow professionally over the years.
0: Mm-hmm. yes i see and also i feel because you're kind of like the same age or similar age to the people like millennials or gen z's yeah. and then they might feel you can connect with them better than the other uh people from old generations would that also be the case they considered a lot
1: yeah absolutely i think they value a lot of value a lot the experience that young people bring and also their voices uh, which also uh, I think matters a lot when it comes to creating a youth, you know, entrepreneurial program that's for young people mm-hmm. and by young people.
0: Yes, yes, that makes sense. Okay, so without further ado, uh, before we get started, could you
1: describe your role in Gonlan? Sure. Uh, so within with UNDP, we have a regional project on youth leadership, social innovation, and entrepreneurship. Uh, it's called Youth Collab. Uh, it's a project co-led by UNDP and CT Foundation. So under the Youth Collab project, we have a portfolio of various engagement programs that aims to economically empower young people. Uh, so for my role is to create Business support activities to increase the lifespan of early stage ventures that help accelerate the achievement of UN's sustainable development goals.
0: Yes, got it. I can't wait to hear more of your stories. So so let's get started. I know you were actively engaged with different kinds of projects and sometimes you were totally swamped with work.
1: What is that typical working day as a start of a support specialist? Um, I work both with UN colleagues and young founders from the Asia-Pacific region. I feel very lucky to be in this role where I have the opportunity to interact with and learn from young founders directly. Uh, So for a typical working day, uh, part of my time goes to the implementation of a regional incubation program, which we will talk more about it later um, to make sure the program is delivered on a daily basis. Uh, then part of my time um, also goes to communicate with young founders or uh, respond to their request. Uh, so usually in the morning, I enjoy some quiet time doing some focus work or replying emails. Uh, and e- In the afternoon, there will be more teamwork, like attending meetings and coordinating tasks with colleagues. Mm, Interesting.
0: Yeah, so I guess you're fully packed each day, right? And when you offer support and resources to these young people who are usually finding difficult to access, I believe you will get a lot of inspirations from them as well. Yeah, so I would like to know, what's your favorite part about working as a startup support specialist? Uh, Could you share one of your
1: most exciting projects with us? Can I say two parts? (laughs) I know you asked about the favorite part. Uh, uh, I think two things that really stands out to me. uh, One is the opportunity to work with a very diverse groups of young founders across the region. Uh, it's like sitting on the treasure. That's how it feels like to me, because uh, every entrepreneur is so different. Um, they come from different backgrounds, experience different cultural norms, bring different life stories. And I found that a lot of times um, they choose to be entrepreneurs because they hold to the principle of staying true to themselves, um, and they recognize their self agency and put themselves out there in the world to challenge the status quo Uh, even it entails the uh, process of building something out of nothing or overcoming tons of challenges to make things work so it was so inspiring to see many possibility out there Um, and they have been a huge inspiration to remind us why we started and keep building a program that is founder-centric so we can help them thrive in every possible way Mm -hmm. Um, and the second one is we got great teams who share the same passion and drive, and we deeply care about what we do. Um, so everyone brings their own personality in work and contribute their expertise to make programs like what is now. Um, and one of the most exciting project, um, like I previously mentioned, uh, I'm currently running a regional incubation platform called Springboard Program uh, under the Youth Collab. Uh, project. Uh, The the reason why we call springboard program because it's literally Act as a springboard for young founders to uh, obtain uh, resources after the program. Um, so, uh, for the Springboard program, we aim to accelerate the growth of impact business that address at least one of the UN's sustainable development goals. Um, so, it's been there for uh, four to five years, and uh, it's a year long program for early stage social entrepreneurs in the Asia Pacific region.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So which year did you start working on
1: the springboard program? So it started in 2017. Oh. Um, but I joined later uh, when there is uh, the second iteration of the program.
0: Ah, uh, okay. Uh, so did you start work on this project since
1: 2017? Uh, no, it's actually started by one of my amazing colleagues. Uh, she has been uh, uh, previously an entrepreneur by herself, and she has learned a lot through the journey. Um, and she saw the pain point of you know what early stage young founders were facing, uh, so that's why she started um, to help young founders better articulate their business oh. uh, and go out there and re- mobilize resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I joined her later um, in the program, um, and as we're spending their more program offerings, uh, as uh, we have more participants in the cohort.
0: Yes, I sort of got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we'll back to the springboard program and use collab later. But now I would like to try to dive deep into the role you work on. So out of curiosity, what are the key metrics for this specific role? Like the number of successful startups you incubated in each stage or the growth rate of each startup?
1: Uh, we do track the successful rate of impact startups slash social enterprises uh, and relevant growth numbers over time um, and apart from the performance itself like how they increase revenue over a period of time to achieve x time of growth we also measure the impact they created on themselves and the community around them. Um, some metrics like numbers, livelihood opportunities they created for others, like or how the solution adds value to its beneficiaries and help address challenges of the communities, or even how entrepreneurial skills impact their career choices. Um, so as a youth project, we, we also have a resilience building angle, uh, meaning that we're also looking at how to help young entrepreneurs building, uh, build business skills and cultivate entrepreneurial mindset in the long term, so they can better understand future risks and opportunities, think more creatively to bring solutions, and uh, cultivating resilience within some themselves to uh, thrive in the fast changing world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're thinking how to build a. Uh, innovative infrastructure in the incubation program to help young founders accelerate their learning process. So we all know that startups has an extremely, extremely high failure rate, like almost 90%. And many, many of them fail for very different reasons. So there's no magic formula on how to build a successful company and not every entrepreneurs can build the next unicorn. Uh, and some of them actually choose to stay small and create meaningful impact in the communities, especially in entrep- social entrepreneurship space, which a lot of patient capital is, re- is needed to, to build long lasting positive impact through a sustainable business model. So at the end of the day, it all goes back to the founder themselves, like how they define success, uh, whether they have the skills, resources, and network together.
0: Mm-hmm. I see it seems you are helping them both physically and psychologically that's mm-hmm. very interesting to hear and as you mentioned earlier part of your time goes to communicate with young founders or respond to mm-hmm. their requests so does that mean you also work with youth from underrepresented groups in the incubation program and is that a common case in your work and then um, did you come across any
1: difficulties yes uh, as a UN agency we pay a lot of of attention to inclusivity and diversity. Uh, So UN's 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development actually sets out a vision for sustainable development goals um, grounded in three principles, which are human rights-based approach, leave no one behind, gender equality and women empowerment. Uh, so for all the programs that we run, we ensure we included youth from all backgrounds in the programs as beneficiaries and also make sure there's a gender balance out there. Uh, so in our portfolio, we have social enterprises that create product or services for underrepresented groups such as migrants, refugees, um, ethnic minorities, or people with a disability or LGBTI groups. Um, and we do overcome challenges along the way. I think one is the language barrier for majority countries mm-hmm. in Asia-Pacific. English is not their first language. Yes. And not knowing a certain type of local language sometimes hinder us from understanding the full picture of what's happening on the ground, especially for those social enterprises who address um, fundamental development challenges like access to basic education, healthcare, water sanitation, um, their work engages people from what of the uh, period a lot. And then the second is the internet access. Um, for youth who live in, in a relatively remote area, access to stable internet is still a huge, huge challenge. Um, and our communication with the Young Founders Uh, is uh, mostly online. So when it comes to arranging calls or linking them with mentors or other engagement opportunities, we will check with them in advance and ask what's the best time for them to connect. And then we sort of adjust our schedule to make it happen. Um, So I'm sure for those young founders who come from a relatively underprivileged background, the challenge they're facing is way a lot than us. So for us, it's really um, to approach it with empathy, patience, and trust because you never know how much you know blood and sweat they put in the work to, to make that tiny step forward, and even how many times they have to fight for themselves to go down that entrepreneurial path. Uh, so we do appreciate their courage and efforts in making a world a better place. And we do see those challenges also as opportunities for us to add value to their work.
0: Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I mean, it's a very tough and a bumpy ride with a lot of up and downs. Uh, mm-hmm. And as you just mentioned, in one of your difficulties, language barriers, how did you tackle with these difficulties would you go there with a translator a
1: local translator or what would you do to solve this problem mm-hmm. so mostly um, the direct right beneficiary of the program they speak english uh, but it comes to like learning materials uh, we try to translate it into local language so there's more people can learn from it and then uh, the outreach of the learning material can be wide as much as possible. So we do translation on some of the materials like to make it more accessible in different national contexts. So actually we have a social enterprise in the Philippines. Uh, The founder lives in a very, um, I would say under undeveloped areas which there is huge difficulty access to internet. And um, he has been doing a lot of work, pr- providing job opportunities to the local women. Uh, and also during COVID, they have done a lot of things to supporting um, the COVID relief uh, in the local communities. Um, and um, I think for them, it's really, really heartwarming to see you know where they're coming from. Even themselves have a huge barrier of uh, leaving living a better life, but they also mm. never stop to make an impact in the community.
0: Yeah, that's very impressive to hear. And as you just mentioned, uh, a lot of resources you provided to these entrepreneurs, as like for example, access to funding, expand network, pooling resources, and help them to do continuing educations. It seems like the springboard program is like a entrepreneurship school, and as we know, yeah, for, yeah, <laughs> <actual> <laughs> for, for every school, there must have some uh, graduation criterias and uh, requirements. Mm. So the same for springboard programs. What are
1: the requirements and graduation criteria? Mm. So for the requirements, uh, first, uh, all the participants need to fit in the youth age bracket in their own country. Um, sometimes the definition of youth varies by different countries, for example, like in Nepal, uh, national youth policy define youth as those who are aged 16 to 40 years old, where in Vietnam is like 60 to 30 years old. Uh, So in order for them to join the springboard program, they uh, have to fit in that age bracket. Uh, And also in terms of the social enterprises, we suggest those who have at least an MVP uh, to enter the program, because sometimes the development stage of their venture actually shows a certain level of commitment of their uh, entrepreneurial journey. Uh, And in terms of graduation criteria, we're not doing like the traditional academic way (laughs) because we respect that each social enterprise, they have very different needs. So what they get out of the program might be very different from others. Uh, So there's a no universal criteria in terms of graduation in the program. Um, And we see successful entrepreneurs Um, they all share something in common, which is that they're very humble to learn, they're open to opportunities and respectful of other support and approach things with a growth mindset. Um, So every interaction we have uh, with founders throughout the programs, even small things like if they're responding to emails or how they react to new opportunities, actually says a lot about their attitude, which we think is quite essential to everything they do to build a successful sex- company. And the more communicative they are, the more we get to know about the progress, and then the more tailored support we can offer to them. Um, so it's more like the more information you share with us, the more engagement, the more support we can provide to you. So it's a never-ending journey. And also our expectation for young founders is that graduation is not their end goal. The connection network and the partnership or funding opportunities they're able to unlock, actually will go a long way to to take Mm -hmm. them to the next level
0: yes i see it's like a lifelong learning process oh, yeah uh, okay uh just as you mentioned there are some ongoing traction metrics what you value a lot is their interpersonal assessments like entrepreneur coachability uh to incubator guidelines like if they attend the mandatory meetings uh yeah so i think they are much more important than those traction metrics but i have a question here as you said there are actually no graduation criteria. if i were a participant in the springboard program how do i know i've already reached the end goal or it's kind of sort of like a milestone for me to reach other incubators or accelerators
1: i think their success is our success um so in terms of the maturity level of you know where they can go it really depends on how they perceive opportunities. For example, we see a lot of um, startups. They want to, you know, join VC uh, accelerator, but they're not sure if they are getting there. Uh, so we do actually working with, uh, you know, some of the accelerators to to bridge that information gap, so they know if this is a maybe accelerator would be a right choices for them. And then for us, uh, we celebrate a lot on their small steps. We call it small step, big wins because the accumulated small wins will lead them to a big success in the later stage. Um, so we also recognize that entrepreneurship journey is an iterative learning process. Um, it doesn't happen just in one goal. And uh, for us, it's really to be there in their journey to, to support them in every possible way we can.
0: Yes, I see. So if these successful startup will pursue their next step to big accelerators mm-hmm. or uh, incubators, how would you consider the level of the springboard program? Would you say it's like a primary school, middle school, or high
1: school? I think it's like a pre accelerator I would say, because even after the program, we also help them bridging um, opportunities, uh, working with our partners if they have some sort of program, follow-up program or awards or uh you know incubation uh program accelerated programs we will nominate or do referral um for them to apply and then uh i think we we encourage that behavior a lot um just to go out and try different opportunities because that also increase their level of confidence of uh you know really show up and then uh put themselves out there to to, to look for opportunities proactively
0: yes i got it so uh pre- incubator will be the perfect word to yeah. describe it yeah okay and as you mentioned early on part of your time will uh, communicate with a lot of young founders mm. and help them to solve their issues as i was wondering would you consider that as clients or just entre- entrepreneurs how many entrepreneurs would you manage in each quarter let's
1: say Mm-hmm. So usually for each cohort, uh, so like, like I mentioned, it's a year-long program. So for each cohort, we have around like 100 participants, but the engagement level is really depends on, you know, if they're active enough in the program to obtain resources. So I think there are different funnels. Like in the beginning, there are 100 participants in the program. But uh, as time goes by, we, we, we do see if they value um, what we're offering or do they find anything uh, helpful in the program um, or if they're proactively asking for help. So at the end of the day, maybe after six months, one year, we kind of have a sort of relationship building process with the young founders already. And um, that mutual relationship building process uh, actually takes time to build and also um, It's really the personality and also the chemistry between two parties that make the long lasting relationship and. um, I think for dedicated support like one on one support, maybe among those 100 participants at the end of the day will be like 30 30 of them actually uh, very dedicated very you know every. um, commitment to their journey uh, or cultivate this relationship with us Um, and also i think we have a wide range of startups in the portfolio um so what we're offering might not be like sometimes might not be useful as those who are in a different stage uh, so i think it's really for them to pick and choose what really best uh works for them uh, even sometimes like some teams they don't need much support from us but they they've done really well
0: yeah as you said it's like a mutual relationship it depends on how much these startup you want to engage with the startup specialist and then you get to be able to see those let's say top a students from the cohort and then bring them okay. to the next levels yeah i believe that's a huge responsibility mm. okay and then uh how much ownership if any will the incubation program have in the startup
1: mm. we don't take ownership of their business uh but we do take ownership to create a really greedy- uh, learning experience in the program. Uh, so the process of building relationship with young founders is more like a mutual learning experience, and uh, we support them achieve their goals, where they take the full ownership in running their uh, initiative and making any strategic decisions, uh, and we handhold handhold them a lot throughout the program, such as in uh, you know, bridging resources and opportunities, and providing like moral support, uh, just giving them assurance that they're really doing great things. Uh, so we have dedicated account managers in the team um, to regularly check in with founders, simply just by reaching out to them and say, hey, how are you doing? What's the latest or what what are the challenges you're facing and how we can support you? Mm-hmm. So that kind of uh, human elements. Um, Actually helped them a lot uh, to 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 help them feel they 're not alone in the journey uh, and based on luminous feedback, that experience of having someone standing by you cheering for you and offering help has hugely shifted their perspective in how they foresee future opportunities so in that case, uh, we absolutely take for ownership of offering as much support as we can. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's very touching. It's like you're not only their startup specialist, but also kind of like a mentor. Yeah, and then will the youth collab help these startups grow after they graduate? Because we've talked a lot about... um, requirements and graduation criteria, and then what will happen if they let's say maybe graduate or leave the program i know you sort of mentioned the lifelong memberships but maybe you can uh, give more details on that
1: yeah so once they enter our program um, we recognize it's an iterative learning process Actually, if they're they're part of the participants, they get a lot lifelong membership to stay with us, because uh, their success is our success. And there's a saying that uh, if an early stage venture can survive the first two to three years, it's more likely that uh, they will succeed in the later stage. Uh, and I will always tell young founders that the relationship we build with them does not end once the program finishes. Uh, it's a journey, right? So oftentimes times we see uh, the huge exponential growth moment happens uh, maybe after two to three years after the program um, so especially for social enterprises um, there's a strong impact angle behind their work so it does take time and patience to witness the growth and um, all those accumulated small steps along the way actually pave the way for uh, big success um, and in terms of approaches um, we see young founders living experience the, as the best learning materials for their peers. So facilitating that kind of peer-to-peer peer to peer to peer learning and mm-hmm. showcasing examples of successful business creation, also build connections among the cohort or with uh, alumni will go a long way. So they know they have someone they can turn to and ask for help and uh, hold them accountable.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's um, impactful because um, they wanted to know if there's still a support network available to Mm -hmm. their company after they leave the program. Yeah, and I think, as you just mentioned, the program definitely has an alumni group with specific resources Mm -hmm. available to these startups. And uh, I think that's a very good connection opportunities for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, as far as I know, the youth Lab has reached over 200,000 youth participants. That's a huge number and benefited 11,000 young social entrepreneurs and had helped to launch or improved over 1,240 youth-led social enterprises addressing SDG challenges. How, hmm. how did you, I mean, how did the team achieve those brilliant Results. What's the secret sauce behind
1: it? Thanks for doing so much research. Like the number is very accurate. Like that's the number we got as of twenty twenty-two. So the program actually started in two thousand seventeen. So it's been there for five years. Um, That's the result of uh, five years um, efforts. Uh, And it's a collective effort. I mean, we can't do this alone. Uh, So really thankful for the support, you know, from our UNDP colleagues across the region and also the entrepreneurship ecosystem partners who are on the same mission as us, providing expertise and extended opportunities to young founders and also young founders who are dedicated Uh, in in their business uh, for being part of this movement. Uh, And also over the years, um, CD Foundation has been a huge, huge supporter of what we do and their commitment to improve economic and employment opportunities for young people has made it possible to make uh, everything happen. Um, And in terms of secret sauce, um, I will emphasize on two things. I think the first one is creating founder centric programs putting them at the center of everything we do, mm-hmm. uh, always listening to them and thinking from their own perspective, what they need and how we could do better to help them succeed. So every year within the team, we will cover out time for reflection improvement. So to make sure we update our learning over time and become better at what we do. Um, and then the second is the team. We, we got a great team who can mm-hmm. Uh, turn our vision into concrete actions. I mean, success is made by people. So great people make Great work. Uh, so, I really appreciate the fact that the team brings people from diverse backgrounds together. And some of them even have been through the challenges that young founders face in themselves. So, they can totally empathize and really relate it to, to to their journey. And the leaders in the team um, also set up a great learning culture in the beginning. Uh, so, we got the opportunity to experiment, kind of let everyone in the team play to their natural strength. So, pretty much bring the startup spirit into our work
0: mm-hmm. yes i see i think you offered a lot for those young entrepreneurs but there's a huge challenges for both you guys and young entrepreneurs that's COVID-19 and i believe that's very tough uh, for both of you did you change any methods or approached
1: during COVID-19 to help them grow yeah. So during COVID, uh, we have to shift our programs fully online, and there are also disadvantages the advantage of doing so. Um, so one thing good about that is uh, we expand our expect uh, participation of who can join the program, because as long as they have internet access, uh, they can access um, all the all, all the resources in the program. But also one thing we're struggling with is the engagement, because we don't get. Chance to talk to people face to face, which I think that helps building the relationship a lot. Um, to build, you know, a more collaborative relationship over time. Uh, and um, what we did that tries to address that is we we individually reach out to some of the young founders to to check how they're doing during difficult times. Because uh, we saw some of the businesses they have to shut down because
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, they run out of money. They don't have um the supply chain was broken. Uh, so we, we pay attention a lot to actually how they're feeling about it uh, and um how their families are doing during COVID. Uh, I think we, we we remind um them a lot um you know do take care of themselves. Uh, and I think that's also to be you know more personal income when it comes to working with the young founders. Um, they they receive a lot of encouragement from that process
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i believe so after working with so many startups in asia pacific regions when asked for any reflection for you uh what are the common features for of startups founded by young people in the asia pacific region because as we know uh the asia pacific region is a huge and diverse areas and is the growing center of global entrepreneurship and also with a lot of young people.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely there's some original characteristics. Um, First, I think um, since the majority country in the Asia-Pacific are developing countries, so there's still a lot of development challenges that needs to be addressed. Uh, such as poverty, unemployment, gender equality, access to basic health care or natural disasters. Uh, So we see young founders are really using entrepreneurial approach to an innovative thinking to responding to those challenges with sustainable business models and creating financial and social impact. Um, And then the second is that youth in the Asia-Pacific region are pretty much marked by strong family values so they're more likely to give back and impact their families and communities through the work that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the problem they're addressing are deeply rooted in the characteristics of their communities. So you might see some solutions in the very beginning, they're not very scalable. Um, as the business develops over time, the business model gets fine tuned and they gradually achieve a balance between you know effectively addressing the local problems, um, but also being scalable to Uh, other markets. Uh, So just to give a quick example, uh, we have a social enterprise uh, from Indonesia called Commerce. It came from the background that the urbanization rate from rural to urban in Indonesia is 50%. Mm -hmm. uh, And uh, many young people stuck in the villages without skills that can help them actually get jobs. Uh, So what they're doing is um, offering youth in uh, villages with digital skills training and connect them with online small businesses, so they get opportunity to working online and gain income easily um, and uh, it's a very local problem um and um, currently they're they're also scaling um which grow very fast in the, in the country as well and then this uh, the third is that we noticed that the growth trajectory of those social enterprises are slightly different from what's like in the West, Uh, unlike a relatively mature entrepreneurship ecosystem where there are already lots of resources and funding support out there. And there's a clear path for you to raise okay, seed funding, and then Series A, Series B, and Series mm-hmm. C. Uh, Young funding themselves actually play a huge role in shaping the local entrepreneurial ecosystem mm-hmm. by being a pioneer to find a path that most suitable for them to grow uh, constantly. Yes,
0: it seems the innovations that we thought are very common in the West are actually very special or innovative for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very thought-provoking then how did you think use Collab plays a role in the larger entrepreneurship ecosystem uh, in the region?
1: Mm, um, I think over the years, we learned that um, one of the values that we added to the entrepreneurship ecosystem in the region is that a uh, few of the business support institutions or organizations actually target startups that are in a very, very early stage because they think, is too risky to to poor investment uh, when they don't see there's a clear growth trajectory in their business model. Uh, And in beginning, we don't have the clear answer either, like how to help young founders address their funding gap. Uh, It's like a chicken and egg problem. If there's no funding, Um, There's no way you can build a solid product. But if there's no product, there's no way for you to generate revenue and become sustainable. Um, So we did a lot of work. We did a bit of work on piloting different innovative financing solutions to get started in that process. Um, And also what we're offering to young founders is really looking at the whole value chain. Uh, beyond organizing a standalone hackathon or a business skills building program, um, how to take a more system, a systematic approach to help young founders thrive. So there are three levels intervention in uh, under the youth, pro, uh, youth collab project. Uh, one is we look at the downstream level, we directly working with uh, young founders in the incubation program. And also in the midstream, we build a network of partners to leverage the support and resources they have mm-hmm. to support the entrepreneurs, bring more opportunities to them. And then up, upstream is more on the UN context, focusing a lot of on policy change, uh, how we can work with government to providing a more enabling environment uh, to increase the ease of doing business in respective countries. Yes, so that three layers of intervention is more like a systematic approach, how we can have a like thrive entrepreneurial environment uh, for young people to do business.
0: Yes, I think you just give me a very comprehensive background introduction of youth collab yeah thanks a lot okay so after working with so many early stage startups what advice would you give to aspiring entrepreneurs you know at the end of the interviews we usually will ask for any feedbacks or good advice so it's a term
1: Uh, sure um i think i have seen a lot of business cases and i saw a lot of you know successful examples of young entrepreneurs I think what really make them successful uh, is once they they started with the problem they're really passionate about. So for any aspiring entrepreneurs, um, start with the problem that you're really, really passionate about. It should be something that excites you every morning, something you find fulfillment by contributing your time and skills to build something. And I think nowadays the entry barrier for young founders to Uh, young people to start an initiative is getting lower and lower as there are plenty of opportunities out there you can find and immerse yourself into to make the process of starting a business less risky Uh, so have faith and courage to build something meaningful Um, and the second is that um, take good care of yourself this is also something i wish i could have done better Uh, i found entrepreneurs are mostly they're givers type of personality and sometimes they prioritize work or others over themselves uh, where well, it might take a toll on their physical and mental health in the long run um, so having a basic routine of sleeping well eating well or doing some exercise extremely important um, and then the third um, is uh, be more open to talk about challenges and always ask for help um, i think all those successful example we have seen is um, those young founders who are very open to feedback, to learn. Um, and I think in order to build meaningful partnerships or even finding the right investors, bring authenticity and honesty into the conversation uh, is something they value a lot. So I think overall, these three suggestions.
0: Yeah, that's very good to hear and well said. Uh, I really appreciate your advice for listeners who are listening to the shows. And as we reach the end of the podcast there's always a lot of thank you words i would like to give aggie and as you mentioned a lot about the spring program that attracts the best talents You sort of helping them achieve their mini goals with fewer barriers i want to thank aggie for joining us tonight and for sharing her ideas and challenges thank you very much thank you so much for having me for listeners thanks for listening to tnt podcast and indulging in some feel good insights for the mind